Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Nicole, a Wellspring therapist and the host of today's show about building resilience in turbulent times. With me today to discuss this topic is Tova Kreps, our president and co-founder here at Wellspring. Together, we're going to discuss what are the skills which help people be resilient and how to develop them. And we know right now in the last couple of years, it's been really, really, um, just a really hard time for all of us. I think adjusting, adapting, this pandemic has really thrown us for a loop. And I think we've all kind of had to build resilience skills um, during this time and we kind of don't even know it. So Tova, tell us why is resilience so important to you? I know that a lot of our, you know, your teaching, our trauma work, there's some resilience in there. So tell us about why that's important. Well, I, I just think life is very difficult. And whether it's a major trauma or just ongoing daily challenges, um, we can't stop challenges from happening. We can't stop bad things from happening, big ones and little ones. Uh, but I really, really believe that we can develop skills which make us more adaptable to these life changes and life challenges. And the truth is some people are a lot better at it than others. You ever wonder why some people are really thrown and others aren't? And, and the good news is there's research out there that kind of tells us what are those traits that we can develop intentionally on purpose to be better at overcoming the challenges of life. And so um, I just am motivated to help people overcome bad things that happen. And it's what we do here at Wellspring. Yes. Um, so let, let's talk about these traits. I feel like some people might say, well, are you born with them? Like you're just naturally resilient. Um, is there that natural capacity or is this something somebody can actually work on learning and developing? Yeah, that's the good news is that uh, resilience are a lot of different traits that when you put them together, help you overcome things. And they are, most of them are skills that can be learned. I mean, clearly we have some people with personalities that lean toward this or others. Um, but most of us, we really can learn to be resilient. And so that's the hopeful part in, of this program. This is really encouraging, I think, for people to, to listen to, you know, that, that you can actually develop skills and tools to help you become more resilient. So let's start with the definition of resilience, which, you know, we always want to start with. What does this mean? Well, um, resilience does not mean that you are adversity proof like bad things happen and it doesn't affect you. That's not resilience. Resilience is the capacity to adjust to the challenges that you can adapt to it and move forward with life even when you have these kind of setbacks. And ideally you move forward with personal growth uh, after having done so. So it's about gaining strength. Think about muscle building, you know, and going to the gym is like building strength from the stressors versus being uh, really negatively affected uh, by them. And honestly, resilience is, is not uncommon. People are naturally resilient. Um, just they, we do tend to be way more capable of overcoming things than we think sometimes. Uh, so it's not extraordinary that, but um, what helps people be resilient really is a combination of a lot of different specific strengths. And so that's what I want to look at today. And the more of these strengths that we have, the more likely we are to bounce back from adversity. So let's talk about those traits. I know that there's like specific traits that, that really help us become resilient. So tell us about that. 
Well, there's this guy named John Gritch from Marquette University, and he and his team did a lot of research on all the other research about resilience and, you know, what's been learned in the field and, and what's out there. And he created what's called a resilience portfolio model. And what he did is he he grouped together the traits that we found that he found and the skill sets that he found in people um, who are resilient and what the resilience research is. So. Uh, the resilience portfolio model basically groups together three broad categories of traits that we can have and skills we can build in order to be resilient. So the first one, if you're ready, is uh, self-regulation. And self-regulation is a broad category and it includes a lot of different things. So the first thing is to be to be to regulate yourself in order to handle adversity. You got to become, we say that all the time, become and call Batman, become and call somebody. <laughs> and so um, is that, so being calm, part of that, what the first skill set is to be self-aware. So mm -hmm. that means you have the ability to see yourself in not only what's happening that you're looking out at, but to see how you're responding, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm anxious. Oh yeah, I'm angry. Oh, I'm I'm responding by screaming. I, I mean, I was thinking about um, road rage and mm. you, know, you see this road rage. And, and so here's this person and they're looking completely out. You cut me off. All they can see is what the other person does. They don't see that they've gotten out of their car. They're screaming at the top of the lungs with a baseball bat, right? They're, they're, yes. they're, <laughs> there's this lack of awareness of mm. how I'm responding to this stressor. I'm just looking at the stressor. So one skill of self-regulation is the awareness of my thoughts and feelings in response to a situation. Um, another one is that we can recognize when our responses are really reactive. So that self-awareness is like, wow, I am screaming. <laughs> <laughs> at the dog, you know, um, or I am so fearful and it's disproportionate or so upset or I can't quit thinking about something. And, and, you know, so that capacity to recognize that you're not in a good state, that self-awareness, and then to begin to delay your response to things. So, okay, I'm not in a good state. Let me think about this later. Let me go calm down before I think about it. Let me take a little break, that kind of thing. I, I think of um, in, in our home, hangriness is a thing. It really is a, a big thing, right? And so I think about how important it is to say, wait, what's happening? Am, am I hungry? This is why I'm being so ir irritable or irrational about whatever's happening. And, the, and we have a thing in our home where we're like, let's eat and then we'll talk, you know, because it really helps. <laughs> to subside the emotions, the reactivity, right? Because there's something else going on with you that you need to take care of. It's true, it's really true. Um, and the other thing that's related, similar to think like you're talking about food is to just use our body to then calm ourselves down. That goes back more closely to that self-regulation thing. So some people have worked at developing a skill of using their body to, to mm. de-escalate. So yes. whether that's deep breathing or meditation or mindfulness or exercise or uh, just going out and, and in nature and having what I call creation therapy a little bit, you know, all these ways of soothing our body so that we can 
regulate ourselves so that we can manage the crises that are coming. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. And, and we do some tapping too. Those, that's another self-regulating. We love to teach. So I just think of, of uh, the therapy work that we do and how we are building that toolbox for, for people with these different types of, uh, of things that you can do to self-regulate, right? Yeah. And breathing is the most basic thing. And so people are like, you can't teach. Why are you teaching me to breathe? I breathe all day, every day. And so they, everyone feels like they already know how to breathe or they wouldn't be here. But there are skill sets in learning to take deep, slow breaths, to focus our thoughts on our body and in the present situation that we're in. And, and it literally changes our body's state of being. Even taking yes. a of water, noticing the environment, the mindfulness of the world around you at that moment versus what you're thinking about that's the crisis, that's the future or the past or the big things around you. Centering on the now, the here and now actually helps our body say, oh, she's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it helps us calm down. Yeah, definitely. That That's really good. You know, um, so mm -hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say self-regulation also does include some personality traits that maybe we can't change very much, but I do think we can learn to improve this. So there are people who naturally have more grit, more endurance, you know, they're just naturally Zen in the world and everything is calm. They just, you know, they're the Z personality people, right? And they're not A type A's, they're not B's, they're Z. And so some people are Z's, but most of us aren't. Yes. Lucky them. Lucky them. Exactly. But we can learn to be more patient. We can learn to delay gratification, you know, uh, to calm our body, to self-soothe and things like that. So yes, that's really important. So important. So the, the, um, second one, the second one, um, of these, uh, portfolio, uh, resilience traits is interpersonal relationships. Tell us about that. The social support, so important, right? We always need, I mean, Jesus had a, a social support, right? We, we need it. Yes, tell us about that. Yeah, he asked his disciples to come play for him and to stay up with him when he was, you know, really under distress. Um, so our social support is a protective factor for us. And research for resilience does say this. There's a, a large correlation with how much social support we have when we're in under stress and how resilient we are. So um, resilient people often have a well-established network of family and friends and professionals and religious support and community support prior to their challenges. Now, that's the ideal. Um, but though the capacity to have interpersonal relationships is the protect one of the major protective factors for being resilient. People need people. Yes. And we need different people, right? We need different types of people in our lives with different uh, specialties or, or, you know, wisdom, right? Um, uh, but the capacity to make and keep relationships also includes some some more minor kind of s social skills and, and opportunities as well. Yeah, just because you have people around you doesn't mean you automatically have those skill sets to avail yourself of their support. So, so if you think of the building blocks of relationship building, the first building block we should be ideally teaching our children is emotional vocabulary. So mm. it's really hard to process what you're going through if you don't have words other than anger. <laughs> right, right. You know? that's, that's where the, the feelings wheel comes in, right? All the feelings we could be having, except not just sadness and happiness, right? There's so many more. Yeah. Yeah. And the ability to begin to express, to be aware of it, you start with the awareness and then to begin to express it to other people in order 
to to get their support and for them to understand and for you to understand. Uh, half of the expression part is them listening. And the, the other half is us saying it out loud and that makes it real and helps us process it in the in the process of talking about it. And then there's that other point where we don't always have emotionally healthy family members or friends in our, our support group. And so sometimes that requires us to have to reach to a more professional people or people that are more specialized in this type of help, correct? Absolutely. I, many of us are not gifted with healthy humans around us. We may have a whole slew of dysfunctional family members. We might be one of them, you know. Um, and so many of us lack that resource. I, I think of a time in my life, honestly, when I uh, I had a first marriage after college, and um, when that when he left and that ended, I would had left. I moved with him. I left my job. Mm. I left the city I was in. Um, all my social support. And so I found myself in a new city with a husband who wasn't doing too well. And I had all of that was like dropped. And, and I ended up going for counseling. And during that time, I really needed professional support. My family was trying to help me, but they were far away and they didn't really know even how to help me. And that support got me through. And it, mm. I, I credit it today to even switching and going back in my master and getting my master's in counseling was from that experience of just sometimes we have to hire professional support to help us be healthy and to help us begin to be able to have interpersonal skills that, that are going to work for us outside of the professional world. Yes, definitely. Thank you, uh, Tova, for sharing that. I think it's important for people to know that we oftentimes have to reach out to professionals for, for certain situations or crisis in our lives that require us um, to reach out to other support systems. So... Thank yeah, you. you know, um, I also think that the the when you think about those skill set, it's uh, the the ability to give and to receive is part of interpersonal relationship skills. And so, can I give love and receive it? Some of us give, but we don't receive. You know, mm, so when we have rough times and we have these challenges, um, we have to let ourselves. We have to develop the skill of not only giving but receiving, not mm. only being the helper but the healthy. And that's hard sometimes on our pride, but people yeah. great interpersonal relationships do both. They talk and they listen. They give and receive. They love and they let people love them. Mm. And so I, I think those are skills that we can develop all the time that'll make us resilient when we need someone to be the helper for us. Awesome. Thanks, Tova. So we're going to take a short break to thank one of our sponsors who makes the production of our podcast possible. When we come back, we'll hear more from Tova about the third set of traits that makes a person be resilient during tough times. Welcome back to Wellspring on the Air, and this is Nicole, your host today. If you're just joining our show, our topic today has been about resilience. If you joined us late, you can find us on our, your favorite podcast channel on Wellspring on the Air or on our website blog page at wellspringmiami.org. Just search for this topic. So it's really interesting, Tova, that these traits are called the resilience portfolio model. Why is it that they use this word portfolio? 
Well, if you think about a financial portfolio or something, you know, it's this file that holds all these other little files. And that's the important thing about resilience. It's not one thing. If I just do this one thing, then I'll be resilient. It's a whole lot of skill sets. It's all of those self-regulation skills and self-soothing skills and self-awareness. And then it's all of those relationship skills, the ability to give and receive love, to have healthy relationships and to have people be there for you in a time of need. So it's a, it's a, it's encouraging because the more you have, the more resilient you'll be. And mm, yes. over time, we're not doomed to not be resilient. We can slowly build our capacity in each of these arenas. So I just find it really encouraging. And I like the name they chose for this. this so month. no matter where you are right now, whoever's listening, you can start building these skills. It's never too late. It's never awesome. too late. Yeah. So, so the third one, the third set of resilience traits, what is this? Tell us about it. Okay, this is called meaning making. And it's the ability to make sense of and to express what you're experiencing. You, We all have a story that we tell ourselves about what happened to us. And so the meaning making is that you have a story where you can, where you have a happy ending, mm. where you have worked through your story until you have a, a conclusion to your story of this challenge that is positive. Um, this was really, really hard, but I am, I'm so much wiser now, or, or I got through this, but, but I'm still okay. And I'm grateful for blank. And so it's this capacity to finish our story about our story with, with an ending that feels peaceful. So that's mm. meaning, meaning making. It's not what happens to us that breaks us or builds us. Sometimes we think, oh, this bad thing happened. So I'm automatically broken. And that's mm. not true. Um, some of us have really bad things and we're not, not only not broken, we're actually stronger because of it. You know, the old, uh, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And sometimes we don't think that's true. We think, no, it's just, I'm permanently, you know, damaged, but mm. it's not really what happens to us that damages us. It's what we believe about what happens to us that makes a difference. It's how we handle it and what we believe about ourselves. So if a bad thing happens and we say, I am the most amazing survivor, I, I, I can overcome anything and I have this resilience. We actually walk away a stronger, wiser, better person in some way. And so that's the meaning making that we're talking mm. about. So how are, what are some ways that people can make meaning out of their story? I mean, what are, what is the perspective that they should look through or what, what should happen? Yeah. And I think, I think we can't tell other people how to do that, but I'll tell you some of the ways that there are, and they are ver varied. So for me, um, probably for you, because um, I know you, but uh, some of us find that our spiritual lives and our religious worldview, a worldview that includes a, a sovereign God who's over things, that includes eternity, helps us add meaning to what's happening because there's some sense that there's a bigger thing happening than maybe what we see in the moment. Uh, so for me, that's usually the way I find meaning in it. But it's not the only way. There are a lot of other ways. So some people um, find their meaning in the growth they develop. Mm -hmm. so, so you think about somebody in the military, something that's like, I have mastered this. I can now go into these challenging situations and I know just what to do. And I've grown and I know how to handle it. And, you know, and so that that is the meaning that they find. Mm. Is, is their strength and their growth in the process. Also, I think of, I think of um, just having a perspective of seeing the good, even like when bad things happen, you could have this 
optimistic view. Okay, so even though this bad thing happened, these are some good things that came out of that or that happened alongside that. Yeah, and there are some people who that's their go-to. Every challenge they face, uh, my husband's work partner is like this. Any new challenge is an opportunity, mm. uh, you know, for, because if it's new and different and challenging, you never know what's going to unfold because- Growth can come from that, right? Yeah. Change brings opportunity. Some people are just that optimistic all the time. They always see that uh, in the challenges and, and, you know, but we can develop an optimistic view. We could at least ask the question, I wonder what good- or new could come out of this that wouldn't have happened without that opportunity. You know, the pandemic is a good example of that. Mm. Really, really hard for a lot of people. But the things that have developed out of it, I mean, we've all learned to do Zoom. We've beyond at Wellspring, we've gone to all telehealth and and teaching in new ways and reaching people in new ways and breaking boundaries. And yeah. many people have found opportunities in the, this challenging time of the pandemic. And uh, another, I think, way of making meaning is the human connection, which leads, you know, from this whole idea of the pandemic and all of us experiencing different things. It really connects us in, in our suffering, right? It, it connects e us to each other. Yeah. And so we go back to that, the interpersonal relationships. For many people, that is the meaning. Mm. So with the the loss of a loved one the fact that the family comes together and they're there for each other is the meaning they it's it's about remembering what's important and often mm. most important to people are the human connections and sometimes our hardships help us uh tune in to our yeah. deepest values sometimes we're just so busy we forget but our hardships remind us of what we really care about who we really care about and those connections uh, become stronger. And sometimes out of it also another type of human connection is altruism. So you're in this challenging time, but um, in the process, it's a human connection with any human. So, so you think about the outpouring for people following disasters, where the humans come to the other humans and say, what can I give? How can I help after earthquakes and hurricanes? And, and it, it's this outpouring of human connection and altruism mm -hmm. that makes meaning out of these hearts. Yes, absolutely. And gives hope. It's a lot of hope to people. Yeah. So um, this is uh, my one of my favorite parts because like, we get to talk about why it's important to actually work through this, right? How do we do, find the meaning to our stories? How do we work through this? That's where our just our therapeutic hats come on. But tell us a little bit about that, Tova. Yeah, so um, you're right. We both love to talk about this. So the truth is that the, the best way to find the meaning in your challenges and to become resilient is to actually attend to what happened to you, to circle back, to revisit those challenges after it's tempting once you're through it to just sigh relief and move on. But if you don't revisit it, if you don't analyze it, if you don't make sense of it, you really won't move on well. And so that requires this intentional pursuit of the truth about what happened. So how did you feel when it happened? Uh, how did you respond? What, did, what have you learned that you could do differently next time so that you actually feel more confident for the future instead of more fearful? Um, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And so how could you work on some of those? So maybe you could stay calm in the moment or, you know, a work on your worldview, your religious worldview, or work on your relationship building with other people. But you're not going to know that if you don't actually 
attend to the story. So going back and figuring out what do I need to fix for the future to stay safe? Uh, what, are the, what are the outcomes I'm grateful for? All of those things come from an analysis, from an intentional circling back to the story to make meaning out of it. Mm, yes. Well, that's basically the circle of truth curriculum that we both uh, teach to adults, to youth about circling back, how important it is to attend to your wounds and really, really heal them, right? Not just put a Band-Aid on top because something will happen to bring it all back out, right? Yeah, we get triggered and, and we don't have to come to therapy, but therapy can help. You don't have to come to our trauma resolution programs, Balance and Restore, um, but those can be profoundly helpful. Um, you can do some of this on your own, even with good friends or whatever. Um, but we are here. We do have this curriculum called the Circle of Truth. So we're going to shamelessly plug it um, because I think it's just a, a roadmap to make it easy to figure out how do I circle back and get through it. So, so Nicole, can you tell us the six steps of the Circle of Truth? Of course. So it's six steps. The first is face it. The second one is feel it. The third is express it. The fourth is fix what you can. The fifth is accept it, and the sixth is embrace it. Awesome. And if people want more of that, you got to come to our website, plug into our programs. We'd be happy to share those with you. So, you know, before we end, Nicole, let's let's do talk about some examples we have from scripture about um, people who are resilient. Yes, I think about Paul Tova because after his transformation from, uh, you know, Pharisee to this radical Christian, there was a lot of people after him. You know, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was put in jail, um, he was almost killed, and he just kept going. He kept pushing. He also had uh, this ability to share his feelings, right? He, he shared with his people how he was feeling. Um, so I feel like he had a good support, like the people that really did believe in what he was doing were right, you know, were behind him, were listening, were supporting him. Um, but he, you know, he had this endurance of just keep, you know, he had his goal set and he, he was just pushing and pushing forward. Yeah, and you talked about that, pushing forward, finishing yeah. the race, and, and you see that endurance. And I think about David, King David, you know, all the way from the beginning of his story where he fights a lion, he's a shepherd, he fights a lion, he fights a bear, and he masters him. And so when he gets to Goliath, everybody else had a different worldview, that this would be an overwhelming challenge to fight this nine-foot man. And, but he didn't have that worldview because he had developed skills. He knew he had some confidence and he had a worldview that was bigger than this, that God was in charge and God would bring him victory. And then you see that through the rest of his life um, because he had Saul who tried to kill him. He had his own son who, who came after him. And, and I feel like when I look at David, I see how he processed those things in the Psalms and you see him process oh he always you find him centering himself that self-regulation and he talks about why are you so downcast my soul hope in god so whether he's depressed or whether he's afraid of his enemies or whether he's angry or whether he's guilty you see him process and always go back to a, a bigger worldview that made meaning out of his stories and gave him confidence to keep going so i, I think of david love that well it's time to close out this show, but before doing that, I just want to leave you all with this great scripture that really talks about resilience, and it, it's from James, um, and it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So thank you all for joining us today. We hope you listeners have had some encouragement about how to develop resilience. Again, if you joined this program midstream, you can find this show and others on podcasts at Wellspring on the air or on our blog on wellspringmiami.org. The title of today's show again was Building Resilience in Turbulent Times. Encourage us and let us know you're listening by sending comments or questions to on the air at wellspringmiami.org. It's time to wrap up. This is Nicole with Wellspring on the air because hearts and minds matter.